And welcome to the Friday, January 26th. Can you believe it's Jan- Wow. My birthday's tomorrow. Really? Is it really? January 27th. Okay, let me finish my sentence. Uh, 2007 edition of the Relevant Podcast, the audio companion to Relevant Magazine and RelevantMagazine.com. I'm Cameron Strang, and here with me is the illustrious editorial crew, the one and only editorial director, Kara Davis. Hello. She actually is the one and only editorial director in the room. true. Yeah. It's true. Um, I guess, obviously, the one and only managing editor, Adam Smith. Hi, guys. And the one of many web content producer, <laughs> Jesse Carey. <laughs> Hey-oh! <laughs> I, we determined prior to turning on the podcast uh, that we, we want sound effects buttons, and since we can't afford them, Jesse's going to be our sound effects <laughs> buttons. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That was a good one. Yeah. That was good. Someone, yeah, I think that was the sign you're giving me for goat, Adam. <laughs> uh, you sound more like a sheep. Been, that could have been just an itch you had there. <laughs> That's um, probably more accurate. How old are you going to be? Uh, 27. Really? It's my, on uh, the 27th? It's my golden birthday. Wow. 27 on the 27th. Wow. I feel bad for people whose birthday is like on the 2nd or something. So they're golden birthdays. My birthday's birthday. on the 2nd. So you don't even Mine's remember your fifth. golden birthday. I, I had no idea there was such a thing as mm-hmm. a golden birthday. When you turn the age of the uh, the day that your birthday is on. What does it mean? That's your golden birthday. Or what birthday. about the year? 2,007 years old. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to being 1,900. What about, what about when it's, yeah, January 27th, 2027? You miss that. Well, you can only be turning mm. the same as the year if you were born in 2000. Right. So that yeah. so every uh, year would be your golden birthday if you're born in 2000, but you'll never like cross the year and age otherwise. Right. I know. Well, that's why there's there's a whole generation of kids that are going to have golden birthdays. I mean, I guess well, you can say it for any generation. One, one year is not a generation. <laughs> I'm confused. All well, kids born in 2000. I, well, I think I mean, you have all, some of your numbers wrong. <laughs> well, I'm saying it's the same goes for 28, 29. Let's go up the dial here, you know? I think some of those statistics. Are we still talking about the? the I don't think we're talking about the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Say you were born. (laughs) Let's move on. What do we got coming on theaters? (laughs) (laughs) Because we could go on for hours, Adam. I like birthday cake. This is basically what we were talking about. Would unravel the entire theory behind quantum leap. (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand what that means. (laughs) I don't know why. But we just blew. It would get there. We inadvertently blew the lid off quantum leap, (laughs) and yet somehow proved the feasibility of Back to the Future. Yeah. If we would. If we would would have kept talking in that conversation the doomsday clock would have rolled like four clicks you know? <laughs> so i'm glad we stopped yeah all right coming out in theaters today friday the 26th uh we got s- <laughs> <laughs> we got smoking aces starring uh, uh ray liotta and jeremy piven and a bunch of guys yeah it looks like wall-to-wall action yeah wall-to-wall violence it, it was yes. supposed to be like one of the previous search I rolling, everyone was pumped because it had this huge ensemble. You know, Ryan Reynolds, Common is in it. Yeah, it's supposed to be like Ocean's Twelve, but like hip and you know, 
like a comic book. Much dirtier. Yeah. But all the reviews are coming back really bad. Oh, well, no. Yeah. I, I think pretty much it, it looks like, say, the transporter. With uh, just a bunch more guys, yeah. yeah. And, There's and a like, lot of cool, kicking people in the yeah. face. And it's like they took all these hipsters, a lot of drugs and guns, and yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh well, that's disappointing. Yeah, it could have been our generation's Godfather. <laughs> that's very very unlikely it could have but been. it could have. Well, I guess in you could theory. say that for for any movie, any movie that has to do with the mob. Could be our oh, generation's okay. Godfather. Okay, yeah. you didn't put that stipulation on it. I thought you were saying, like, you know, Toy Story 2 could have been our generation's The Godfather. Well, I thought since this movie was about the mob, and and I referenced The Godfather, which is also a mob movie, I thought the uh, similarities were implicated. That makes sense. What was that? What are you guys passing? Oh, I handed him a Notes. slice. Oh. It says, I do had... you like me? Check yes <laughs> or no. And I'm going to draw a box that says maybe and check that. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse's a black or white kind of guy. It's all or nothing. Yeah, yes or no. exactly. No fence sitting with him. Um, hey, I got to know spit where you out of his I'm trying mouth. to play hard to get here. <laughs> you're hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, he's spitting you out. That's right. Mm. All right. Speaking of spitting you out, we also got Catch, catch and Release. Well, one, yeah, little, one little highlight from that is in the commercial for the movie, Matt Carney's playing. Yes, uh, Matt, Matt Carney is, is Carney? playing. Did, Carney. Where, is that where we landed on that? It's Carney. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt Carney is playing in the background of Catch and Release commercials. So go see it and support him. And also Jennifer Garner is in it. <laughs> yeah. And Silent Bob. Really? Oh, Kevin Smith? He? Kevin Smith is in it. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. He didn't make the stat or the cast right. list here. But <laughs> I, I spent an evening with Kevin Smith. That is true. You with, did. With about 400 other people. Oh, it was more like 4,000 other people. <laughs> was it really that many? It was a lot. Really? It was a whole lot. I'm shocked. It was a whole convention hall full of people. No. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. I found out about that event on a flyer. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I assumed it was totally underpublicized. No, it was big. Was I wouldn't say 4,000. Was this on your 4, trip 000. this weekend? No, no, no. This is a long, long time back. Um, it was at the Orlando Convention Center. I wouldn't say there are 4,000, but there are definitely like probably two. 2000 was when easily it was when um he was doing all those interviews on npr and talking about this faith stuff i happened to go to the movies that night and there was a flyer just sitting there you know have a big q a evening with kevin smith come ask him questions and i'm thinking that's crazy well we haven't had a chance to get an interview with him because he doesn't do interviews hey adam you should go to this yeah. and ask questions yeah we're thinking the like oh. press you know? conference yeah and so and, and, and it was just like, like a, a little flyer like an people. intimate event no yeah. not at all uh-huh. it, it was like um, it was like a stand-up comedy type thing. I mean, like, was it really? Yeah, I mean, people would ask questions, but the line to ask questions went like out the door on both sides. So people were waiting hours to ask questions, and he would reply with like a twenty-minute response for each question. It was hilarious, absolutely hilarious. So but, it was more performance art. Yeah, it really was. And it, but at about like hour four, when the line hadn't dwindled a bit, oh I was my like, word, I'm out of here. Wow. Was it free? Uh, mm-hmm. Wait, no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't free. It was like 20, 20 bucks. Yeah. But uh wow. It was really funny. But if I you're mean, a big some comic of the funniest, nerd, you know? Yeah. That's a yeah. that's worth it. Oh yeah. It's some of the funniest stuff I've ever heard. But that's like seeing the Dalai Lama. Yeah. <laughs> I think no matter how Jesse. funny something is. <laughs> was that a llama? Yeah, that's the, only, the Dalai Lama. <laughs> I'm building yeah. sound effects right now. It's the only one I've yeah. downloaded. Yeah, but no matter how funny someone is after like 4 hours, yeah. it it you, just gets You're old. done.
also coming out is you know Oscar is getting Oscar buzz epic movie <laughs> which apparently <laughs> there's actually contender. a storyline here's the actual plot ready <laughs> four orphans join forces with a pirate captain young students of wizardry and others in a quest to dethrone an evil queen who rules over the mythical land of Gnarnia can I just say that Kumar is on a roll I mean we got <laughs> we got White Castle we've got Rise of Taj we got a four episode Episode appearance on 24. Might I also add that they're making a sequel to Harold and Kumar. Are they really? They are. So, what, What's his real name? It's on there. Uh, Calpin. Calpin. Yeah, Calpin. I actually saw that he's in... Uh, I was at the movies this weekend, and he's in some like real indie... It looks like a Zach Braffish you know, Garden State movie. But I will never see him outside of, a, a, of the role of Kumar. Yeah. You know? So you actually saw that movie? No. <laughs> oh. Yeah, what kind of degenerate would have seen that movie? But all I can't see him as anything but this lame, like, sorry, there's there it goes again. But this B-level. Him and Tim Allen and Carmen. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's Tim Allen and You should everything. have the Tim Allen Club and you just put new actors <laughs> put in every new week. To it. I mean, he, he chooses those he's, roles. He's a good actor, though. He's a decent actor. I mean, not that I would have seen it. Didn't Colbert have a category? Like, you're dead to me. He has a you're dead to me wall. Cal Penn, welcome. It's a you're dead to me wall, and he will he will add people to the you're dead to me wall and walk over there and put their name on it. Jesse's is the Tim Allen Club. (laughs) Yeah. You should have a a thing on the wall. We could just stick names on it. I will. You're in the Tim Allen Club. So what is it now? It's Tim Allen. It's Cal Penn. Um, I think I said someone else uh, recently. Carmen? Busey? Both of them can go. Uh, I mean, Busey, I'll keep out you of there. You said Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, <laughs> did I? You did. <laughs> well, they can all join. I'll, I'll let you know as soon as I think of more members, okay. and I'm sure it won't take long. All right. Coming out in stores, CDs coming out in stores on Tuesday, January 30th, 2008. Ooh. No, 2007. Wow. Um, I was like, we have a really yeah, thorough preview list here. <laughs> it's a long wait. <laughs> Start saving money now. Yeah. Um, Alkaline Trio with Remains on Vagrant. Johnny Cash with Millennium Collection. Youth Group with Casino Twilight Dogs on Epitaph. I like their name. Bus Driver with Roadkill Overcoat. All one word. So, so it's not to get confused. So it's not to get confused. It's all one word. Roadkill Overcoat. Derek Webb with an acoustic album called One Zero. It's a lot of his uh, favorite, you know, f- best songs done acoustically and stripped yeah. down. So that's coming out. Stuff. And Echoing Angels with You Alone on I and O. I wonder if Youth Group knows the, the connotation of Youth Group for Christians. I, you gotta think. Yeah. You gotta probably. think they do. I mean, yeah. it's, it's an ironic name, obviously. So, I yeah. Mean, you gotta think. Are because they old? Well, the, yeah, I mean, it's not like seriously, they're yeah. saying that they're a group of youth singing. I mean, right. it's supposed they, to be funny. They should tour with bands called like Pizza Party and Ski Trip. Go right <laughs> oh, Lock group. in. Yeah. <laughs> lock in. <laughs> Tonight it's, only, youth group and lock in. On the Ski Trip tour. <laughs> <laughs> Get your permission slips in. You don't want to miss it. <laughs> Quiz team. <laughs> Fundraiser. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right outside the bake sale. Have a fundraiser to get tickets to go to yeah. the ski to trip tour. Permission slips. It's, yeah. it's spelled um, R-A-Z-O-R. 
Fun razor. <laughs> razor. Because <laughs> they're edgy. And there's got to yeah. be an extreme in there somewhere. <laughs> the extreme tour. This is going to be a cool podcast because coming up later, we actually have um, an interview with Matt Thiessen from Reliant K. Reliant K has a new album coming out in March. And so uh, we talked to him about that and kind of give you guys a sneak peek of one of the songs. So uh, that's coming up. So stay tuned for that. Now, on that note, that'll wrap up entertainment releases. Up next, Slices. You're listening to... Five for Fighting. The song is called World on Fire. It's the featured video this week over at the old, not the old, the new, new relevant.tv. Brand new. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard the Constantines. The song is called Working Full Time, which is what most of you should be doing right now. I love the 80s vibe to it. Yeah. It looks like it was pulled from like an instructional construction video from the 80s and added rock animation. Yeah, it's, it's actually a shot of the outside ground. It is a rock video, literally. Yep. You have to, In many uh, ways. You have to see it to believe it. Wow. How's that for a little well, teaser? I can tell you right now, I haven't seen it yet, and I, I am incredulous. Absolutely incredulous. <laughs> I literally do not believe what you're telling me. <laughs> All right. Well, we have a little surprise, a little treat, a little love that we want to spread to you, our, our, our favorite listener. One of our good friends, Larry Olson, over at Jay Wiley, a, a very large New York publisher, Jay Wiley. Larry has given us a present that we want to pass along. Uh, we have more than 150 tickets to the Orlando Magic Portland Trailblazers basketball game on February 14th, Valentine's Day, spreading a little love. And we want to invite you, our friends, to come along with us. Especially you. <laughs> and I'm glad it's Valentine's Day because that's the kind of friends we are. <laughs> that's right. And uh, basically the game's obviously here in Orlando, Florida. The game's at 7 p.m. And the tickets are free. Well, free to you. They've been paid for. They're all lower bowl tickets. Yeah, they're, I, I noticed they're, that. Yeah, they're really fantastic good tickets. seats. I, I assume that they were up in the nosebleeds, but they are in fact lower bowl. So if you're within a driving distance, I mean, what is it, a Tuesday or Wednesday? It's in the middle of the week, so you'd have to be in a uh, four to five hour radius mm-hmm. of of downtown Orlando. But yeah, if you're like in Missouri or something, this probably isn't feasible. Yeah, for you. Or, and if it was, it'd probably creep us out just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So you there in Missouri? We're not talking to you. No, you can go ahead and tune out for a little bit. No, but basically, um, all you need to do to get your ticket and reserve your spot and join us is to email my wife, Maya, at uh, M-A-Y-A at RelevantMediaGroup.com. Her name is Maya Strang. And if you forgot her email address, um, you can just go over to the staff page on RelevantMagazine.com and you can email her through that. But just email her, tell her uh, who you are, how many people are coming with you, and she'll arrange to get you the tickets. And I think we're all going to just meet there at the arena. Yeah, and hopefully there'll be a really good halftime show that you'll be able to tell (laughs) stories about. Man, I was hoping hoping we could all meet here in Carpool, all 150 of us. Let's place bets. I'm saying Valentine's Day that there's going to be some sort of mass wedding ceremony. That's my bet for halftime. Do you know how amazing that would be if you got married on the the floor of the arena? Actually, we only want people uh, to go with us who are engaged. 
and will we'll participate in that yeah. halftime show. I, here's my bet. I'm betting that stuff is going to come out in a tuxedo <laughs> and that uh, a wallaby is going to come out in a, uh, a wedding dress. <laughs> and then for gonna, no reason gonna... whatsoever, he's going to savagely beat it. <laughs> we're not, we're not in any way um, endorsing or laughing at domestic abuse. We're laughing at animal abuse. <laughs> we'll make that very clear. So anyway, uh, just email Maya. Uh, reserve your tickets. We, I, honestly, there's more than a hundred have already gone away because we mentioned it in slices on the website. Yeah. So there, but there is some room, and we want to make sure that you, the podcast listeners, knew about it and uh, could join us if you wanted to. So, and now with slices, here's Kara Davis. Well, the Oscar nominees were announced earlier this week, and um, some of the best picture nods are going to Babel, The Departed. Letters from Iwo Jima, Little Miss Sunshine, and The Queen. Uh, Little Miss Sunshine got quite a few nominations in different categories. and uh, Best Dancing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse's favorite was the Best Adapted Screenplay for, um, for Borat. Borat. Which was, it's, it's funny that it's getting for Best Script and considering it was unscripted. Yeah. So. But it, it well, does say Adapted Screenplay. There's a different category for Original Screenplay. How I I just want to know how was it adapted? <laughs> yeah. it was adapted, adapted, adapted from nothing. adapted from improvisation. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, you know they obviously had to have an overarching right. script, and so the the way they adapted it was original. Right. But even that, I heard they they pretty much went on the fly, like the whole Pam Anderson thing. He he had to go from New York to L.A. That's yeah. why he interacted with America. There's your script. Right. And now they adapted it in a very unique original way. I don't know. I feel like it's, uh, you know, how, how would you feel like it if you're one of these, like, writers that, you know, takes on this huge book, like Children of Men, which is also nominated in that category, which that book is so is so big compared to what the film is as far as plot goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you took this, you know, massive work of literature and narrowed it down to a very poignant, you know, movie. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, sweet, you know, I adapted this really good. <laughs> who else? Who else did good? Oh, that, uh, that wise guy, the, Sasha the, Baron Cohen, the guy sweet. who wrote out a, a skeletal outline on the back of a cocktail napkin yeah. one night and drove around an ice cream truck around yeah. America. Sweet, yeah, you're bitter, richly deserved. No, I'm I'm just I, I'm taking the perspective of let's see who. who well, is you it? have compassion. You're yeah. a compassionate person. Yeah, so, yeah. I'm just happy guys. Borat got nomination. Does the Oscars do the Oscars have a comedy category? No. no, no, that's just the Golden Globes. Right. Yeah, but it, it is interesting to see Little Miss Sunshine as Best Picture nomination because typically they don't do light or fair like that for Best Picture. Well, it's know? not exactly exactly light fair. Yeah, it had some headiness to it, but but no uh, but it's not it's not like Letters to Iwo Jima. No. Uh, I thought the most interesting nomination was the two nominations for Mr. Al Gore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. For, for his documentary, I thought that was intriguing. I, saw, I was watching CNN last night, and they're talking about how if, you know, if he wins, uh, that it actually could give the momentum, the popular momentum that he would need with, they call it the Hollywood primary, mm-hmm. and that usually the Democratic candidate who ends up getting the nomination wins the quote-unquote Hollywood primary, where all the rich liberals back this person. Yeah. They become the, the darling the darling of the media and all that, and that Al Gore, because these nominations actually might become even though he's not running right now, uh, he might get so much positive momentum that it may propel him into a White House bid. 
Here's the thing. I thought about, that was interesting. Here's the thing about <clears throat> I feel like the Oscars and documentaries. It's like they always seem to ones that have an agenda instead of ones that just stands on the merit of a story. Every documentary has an agenda. Not necessarily. The There's it. sure they do. Th- some documentaries just want to tell an interesting story. Like you what? Know? You show me, I. Like Honestly, the spelling bee one. At this yeah, point, yeah, exactly. Like spellbound, there was great characters. It was oh, a great that, story that had a, a huge anti-illiteracy. <laughs> yeah, I think it had. A, I think it had a pro-literacy agenda. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the big, big literacy was totally had its See, now, I, I heard his big words. Big words big was words. the one f- funding yeah, it. Totally funding it, but yeah, it's behind the scenes. It's real dirty money. Going mm-hmm. into yeah, that one, there's a lot of ex- stuff that exchanges hands at those spelling bees. Yeah. You don't even, you know, that's a, a lot of books. Other. Yeah, a lot, a lot, lot of, of books. A lot of used books. <laughs> a lot of crossword puzzles. Yeah, a lot of Sudoku. Yeah, there exactly. Letters buying their way into sponsoring Sesame Street. You know, <laughs> like all of a sudden, Sesame Street's brought to you by the letter Q. Yeah, when in reality they would never pick Q. No, no why never. would they? Yeah, big words. Because you can't have a Q you know, without a push Q. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Push a, right. a liberal literacy agenda. Yep. Mm-hmm. On, on along, the youth of along America, along with Detroit and the fast food industry. Right. <laughs> I should put it up on the website, but I thought since we had been discussing this sort of topic on the podcast loosely, that'd be of interest. The Washington Times um, recently did a story about materialism in our generation and how it was like three quarters of incoming college freshmen thought it was very essential to be very well off financially. And they interviewed a lot of people who are hitting like 25 and expected that they would be millionaires or making six figures and are very like disillusioned, but still are shooting for a certain standard financially. Wow. But they just said how it's become a pretty big trend in this generation to just expect it. Even Oprah, when she, she asked about, uh, you know how she just built the, the school in Africa, she said that she was a little frustrated because if you ask kids in this country what they want or need, they'll say an iPod or some sneakers. Anyway, I thought, I thought it was interesting. The Washington Times probably listened to the podcast and were like, ooh, let's do a feature about that. That's what Relevant's <laughs> talking about. So, busted. Well, speaking of people with exorbitant amounts of money, a Kevin Federline ad that's going to be a Super Bowl spot for nationwide insurance is coming under fire because uh, what it depicts is it shows Kevin Federline, you know, he's he's a rap star and all this stuff, and then all of a sudden, yes. well, right, well, this is creating a fantasy world in which Kevin Federline is an actual rap star, uh, and then he snaps out out of the whole thing into reality and it turns out he's working at a burger restaurant and the whole thing is part of their you know life comes at you fast that kind of uh oh yeah. good i like it well they're getting slammed by the national restaurant association for saying that they're Ooh. denigrating people who work at restaurants how oversensitive have we gotten when we can't have a laugh at you know no i think they're just upset because they use kevin federline yeah like, we that would may never be the hire issue. him yeah. at our establishment. Yeah, it's like i'm sorry his hygiene standards aren't up to code but, yeah for, with the mcdonald's fryer but the, they're not saying that your your life sucks if you're working at fast food they're saying your life isn't as good as if you were a, a multiple platinum yeah, selling rap star is there and i don't any, think anybody there would yeah, argue that is there point anyone working at mcdonald's who wants that to be their end point in life, you know, who doesn't want to to go beyond that at some point, you know. So, I don't think that they're taking a jab and saying that you're uh, you're not a, a good or intelligent person if you're working in a fast food restaurant. I mean, lots of people work. They're at just fast saying food you're not Kevin Federline. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's which just is a, actually a compliment. 
It's a common <laughs> cultural kind of phrase, you know, flipping burgers. There's just a connotation to working fast food. Well, it's uh, you can't blame Nationwide Insurance. Yeah, for that. evidently the Burger Flippers Anti Defamation League is really <laughs> upset about that. Well, Nationwide is not on their side. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. no, no doubt, big food is behind this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I big think words, big, big words, big words, and big food. <laughs> big words got and big food. Got, yeah. Big words have never liked Kevin Federline because he just he's <laughs> because he doesn't he can't, like big he words. can't use yeah. them. Yeah, uh, yeah, and he laces them together in terrible rhymes. <laughs> yeah, even, that's why he had to shorten his name. Yeah, it's a K Fed. Yeah, that's a lot of. He's, at, he's pushing a little word agenda. Yeah, mm-hmm. so he certainly true. is. Mm. He certainly is. Mm. He's just a puppet. Well, the Washington Times wrote an interesting story <laughs> <laughs> about how bite size, quote unquote, and that's B Y T E. Oh, it's a play on words right there. Um, basically, the story talks about how technology is taking a toll on relationships in America. A new survey of 1,001 adults say that found that 65% spend more time. <laughs> whoa, 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 stop. <laughs> what? Stop right what? there. They got to a thousand they're like oh we got room for one more come on i got a thousand like no this isn't accurate enough (laughs) we need one more one more in case there's a dead 500 to 500 tie yeah we want to make it really difficult to figure out percentages yeah Yeah. well and strangely they ended up with 65 percent i don't know i don't know the numbers on it's like a half that's like 650.005 or something well, 65% spend, said that they spend more time with their computers than their spouses or significant other. Um, the, another 52%, they take their computer's failure personally, feeling anger, <laughs> sadness, and alienation if their computers not cooperate with them. And 74% of Americans say they bring their computer problems home with them. Oh. Wait, I, what do you mean? That is a really good slice, yeah. Jesse. What does that mean? It can bring your computer problems home with you. It's L- like if, yeah. like if, you're, if your hard drive is backed up, you're constipated too? <laughs> no, like you bring your broken hard drive. You bring the problem with it. No, I'm sure like if you've had a bad day on your computer. If you had a bad day. Right, let, let me ask this. Put you in a bad mood. Yeah, if your Outlook. I, my computer crashed. I lost all my contacts. Yeah. If your Outlook yeah, crashed, you wouldn't bring that home with you? No, I just roll with the punches. It happens. Right. It happens actually about twice a year for me. <laughs> yeah. I don't think computers <laughs> cause distance in relationships. I had a roommate. I'm, I MySpace my wife every day. I, I, had a, <laughs> I had a roommate in college who had his power book plugged in, you know, with a, you know, just in the power to the wall. And he got up to go to class and he tripped over the court and flung it across the room and broke it, which now they have a little magnet power cord, so it wouldn't be a problem. But... He was very angry, and he took it. He took it out on me. What did he do? Did he beat you? He beat him savagely <laughs> with, with, with a, a computer cord, a, a pillowcase full of oranges, so it didn't show any bruises. Then he, then he whipped me with a, you know, the power book cord. No, I mean, you know, you could see how people don't make light of that. Angry. There might have been domestic abuse or something that, that, you know, somebody got whipped with a power cord. <laughs> somebody out there may be crying <laughs> right now. I'm trying to be sensitive, you know. To people who bring their computer problems home and, and take it and out whip on their others. loved ones. Exactly. <laughs> I think that that's bad. It's a problem I, in America. I wasn't you just go said there. it was. Yeah. I didn't know to that extent. Well, 
it's it's real that's reality buddy it's well, not when your hollywood movies glamorized <laughs> well they even like talk Habble. about how people on cell phones often ignore the person they're with or with a blackberry ignoring whoever they're hanging out with to answer emails yeah that's true I'm guilty Cameron brother, has see, actually it's, ignored it's huge it, portions of the podcast yeah, it, <laughs> true <laughs> this laptop what's what's so sad is that i'll be editing the podcast and be like oh that was a really good segment or oh that's interesting like i never even heard these things before and like, i do the same thing but it's because i was napping yeah so it's not that technology is coming between you and others it's your nar- narcolepsy yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not the bite-sized temptation just tiredness all right well that'll do it for slices up next matt Tyson. stay tuned Well, we recently got a chance to talk to Matt Thiessen. He's the front man and lead singer of a very popular group, Reliant K. Uh, they got a great new album coming out. You'll enjoy the record. It's a, it's a great pop album, a little bit of a departure from th- some of their stuff you might be used to. It hits stores on March 6th. It's called Five Score and Seven Year Ago. So here's our recent chat with Matt. I wonder like, if the new fans, have got, if the kind of older fans have got to hear some of the new songs yet, and what's, what's their reaction been like? Well, uh, the album leaked about a week ago. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, seven weeks early on the leakage there. Uh, and I guess I've been trying not to not to look because it kind of bums me out. Yeah. <laughs> like, leaking thing. But uh, it seems like people are into it. Um, yeah, you know, especially, like, you know, some people that have been with us for a while. And, you know, it's funny. I've heard some people say it's a bit of a departure. I've heard other people just say it's, like, kind of feels like a continuation, like picking up where we left off sort of thing. Well, I noticed some of the big noticeable differences were these big, um, cool, uh, like the production value on the intro. Oh, right, yeah. And it feels very much like an album, you know, as oh, opposed good. to a collection of songs. So was that kind of an intentional direction? No, um, you know, just kind of, we, we do write, you know, song by song sort of thing. And, I, you know, you kind of assemble the album later. You, you cut songs away and, you know, you add ideas last minute sort of thing. So... But, you know, uh, it's cool that, that you can see some continuity in it. You know, I, I was talking to somebody else today about the album, and, and she said it was weird how, she said it's almost awkward how it goes from, like, a serious, you know, song that's, like, heavy into, like, a cheesy sort of saccharine, you know, sugary love song or whatever, you know? So yeah. She, uh, but, it's, you know, I guess it's, uh, it's cool that, that, you know, you both have those different opinions. Yeah, because, it, you know, it definitely feels textured in that, you know, you have a good mix of songs, but I guess maybe it's the production that just seems yeah, to, like, like have a thread I mean, through it, you know? Totally. I mean, we had the same guy, you know, mixed, uh, you know, most of the songs. Uh, Chris Bordowski did it. Yeah, he kind of does that to an album, I feel like. Uh, he's a great mixer. And, uh, you know, he kind of gives, uh, like, that, um, you know, last two Switchfoot records, for this new one, they, they were both mixed by him, I think, and it had, kind of had that same feel, I think. Yeah, it, it came out really well. I, I know one song that you probably got a lot of attention for is Deathbed, just because it, it's a little bit different from a lot of the stuff you did. As far as, like, the actual narrative of it, um, where did that come from? It was it was a off-the-top-of-the-head sort of thing. The song started, I had the chorus where, uh, you know, the line is, uh, I can smell the death on the sheets covering me, you know, that sort of thing, and talking about the deathbed, and 
And I didn't really know where I was going with it. I just kind of randomly made it up. And then I was trying to think, you know, this is kind of interesting. I was like, originally I was going to write the song about myself and mm-hmm. kind of try and picture what I would be like lying on my deathbed, uh, you know, 70-some, 80-some years old, and kind of go through my life. And I'm like, you know what? That's kind of a bad idea to try and, you know, predict my own future and, and write it into a song. So I decided, you know, I'm just going to invent this fictional character and kind of go through step-by-step step and, and kind of touch on his life and most of it is lows I kind of interpret the song as being somewhat of a tragedy but uh, you know the huge resolution at the end of the song where you know he uh, dying but yet you know, at some point in his life he did find Jesus and, and uh, you know he ends up in heaven at the end of the song and so obviously it's a big positive uh, spin did, did you set out to write like a big epic song or did it just kind of come no, no, it was, I mean, I had no idea that it was going to be that long. It was just kind of, it was probably the most fun I've ever had writing a song, just because uh, it, was, it was really easy, and it was, it was kind of like writing a story instead of writing a song, you know? Yeah. So, uh, and and we'd, never, we'd never done that before. We'd never really written a story song, so, yeah, it was a blast. Just kind of kept going with it, and I'm like, you know, it's, it's kind of cool to just almost get, get specific about some moments in the first life. Yeah, is that John Foreman on the last verse? Yeah, yeah, um, I really... Uh, I wanted him to sing on the record, and I didn't know where it was going to be. And, you know, I was writing that song, and, and all of a sudden, you know, that end of the song was kind of a last-minute thing. It wasn't really supposed to be there. Those last about three minutes of the song uh, I wrote while we were recording it. And I was like, you know what? Like, uh, John, I was like, I should have John play the part of Jesus at the end of the song and kind of basically sing that part. And he did a great job. I'm really excited to have him on it. Yeah, it, it turned out great. I know, you know, your band has definitely been like such a progression, just seems to have got, it gets bigger with each album. And even, you know, you guys have been getting a lot of, even with the last album, a lot of mainstream attention and with videos on MTV. And did you feel any pressure from either side as far as lyrically of the industry when writing? No, and I mean... And I know it might be a little unconventional and ignorant of us, but we've been trying really hard, I guess, over the last couple of years to basically, in our minds, merge Christian music and, I guess, the general market and try to ignore the fact that there is a Christian music, you know, thing and just let it be what it is and, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, just write from where we want to write from. And, and I like writing about my faith. I'm going to write about my faith. You know, if I want to, if I want this to be, like, you know, very obviously about what I believe in, it's going to be that way. And, you know, I, I look at bands like Thrice and, you know, even Switchfoot and stuff. You know, people don't know that those, you know, those bands, are, the writers are, are as strong of believers as they are and they find it that important to write about that stuff. And it can be very, I don't know, undefined like the, as far as the, the division between Christian music and its general market. So we just kind of try to blur it, you know? Yeah. When you were writing the album, was there anything in particular that you were listening to that you drew a lot of inspiration from? Yeah, I mean, there are a couple things. Um, you know, always listening to Beach Boys stuff, and and I mean, I, I can't write like that. I wish I could, but, um, you know, it's always a source of inspiration. Ben Folt is always a source. Uh, actually, Switchfoot, it's kind of embarrassing because, you know, they're friends of ours, but, yeah. uh, you know, John, I feel like he's prolific. I feel like he's you know, his heart, the way he can make things come out of his, his heart and his mind uh, in the song is, you know, really inspiring to me, and I just I really appreciate him and his lyrics. Uh, you know, Jack Mannequin, I, I like that record a lot, and, uh, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, he does a lot of piano stuff, mm-hmm. rock and roll, just like we do, so those are some of the inspirations, I guess. Cool. Um, I saw recently that you guys played um, a benefit show for Invisible Children. 
Uh, how, 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 how do you guys connect with them? Um, you know what is funny is I had nothing to do with the whole thing. Um, and I was just randomly in Nashville when they were doing it last night. So I jumped on stage and I, I got to sing, uh, we covered Weezer's Surf Wax America and we did, uh, a Reliant K song. But, um, our guitarist, John Schneck, I think, uh, his church, uh, kind of set up the whole thing. And it was really awesome. I think they raised uh, a little under ten thousand dollars last night, and oh, wow. uh, it's just a really cool thing that they showed. Had a viewing of the documentary and that sort of thing. So. Very cool. Do you plan on doing more stuff with them, or is it just kind of like take it as it comes? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, you know, everything is kind of take it as it comes. But uh, you know, we're all uh, you know big supporters of that documentary and that organization. And, uh, you know, as, as we are with you know most things that are. Of that nature, you know, uh, you got to try and make a difference. And, you know, we've got, you know, Matt Hoops, our guitarist, brother-in-law, is doing a lot of work in Uganda and that sort of thing, and you know, I really want to try and support that. Yeah, that sounds awesome. They're really doing great things. Well, once again, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us, and uh, we're really excited about the new record. You're listening to Reliant K's first single off the new album. It's called Must Have Done Something Right. It's not playing this week at Relevant TV, but hopefully it will be soon. Uh, before Matt's interview, you heard Menomina with Cough Coughing. Menomina. Um, cough Coughing. It reminds me of, of Kara. <laughs> I know. I'm doing a little better today. You're doing great today. Yeah, I haven't yeah. heard anything. All right, so your feedback. Last week, we asked you what your kind of top five one-hit wonders were, correct? Yes. Indeed. Yes. Last week, you'll remember, we got talking about the verb, the verb pipe, and that got us talking about one-hit wonders. So last week, we asked you, make us a little five-song compilation EP with your best one-hit wonders, <laughs> and uh, and we'll we'll read you a few of the emails now. And and actually, I th- some of the better songs, I will, I will play snippets from. Here's a couple... Uh, a couple good ones on Cal Busman's list. Uh, he's an FSU alum, so automatically I like him. He has a couple that really give him some cred in my mind. They're standing outside a broken phone booth with money in my hand by Primitive Radio. Guys. Oh, such a great song. Good call, Cal. Another one that you brought up, which I thought was great, is uh, Tomorrow by Silverchair. Oh, Really? It's, it's not yeah. quite primitive radio gods, but it certainly reminds me of sophomore year of high school. Yeah. Frog Stomp, the album that this was on, was so amazing. This this album was big when I moved to Nashville. And right these, after graduating, like 98, 99. And these guys were like 15 or 16 yeah. Yeah. when they did this. This one is on several lists, and it deserves to be I'm Going to Be or 500 Miles by The Proclaimers. The, that is uh, the preferred song of Callahan McIver. I believe it's the Scottish National Anthem. <laughs> that song was so huge. How about this one from John Collins, one of the standouts on his list? Eli Cherry. Oh, Save yeah. tonight. Of course, sure. Tonight. 
Do we think that they're extra good because we were in college then? No, it's because they're awesome. I was like, <laughs> 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 you shut your mouth. What year, Jesse, what year did that come out? You, you shut your lying mouth. <laughs> you shut your lying mouth. Sophomore year. Uh, 99. There's so many good ones from... Remember Super Drag sucked out? John Davis is actually saved now, and Christian put out a couple pretty good uh, Christian albums, but something about Super Drag, that song. That's I think that's one of my all-time favorite songs. This one may be so iconic as to not even fall within the category, even though technically it's a one-hit wonder. Ironic? Iconic. Oh. Ice Ice Baby by Vanilla Ice. Naomi, who lives in Taiwan, uh, says that this is very high fidelity of us to do this. Heck yeah, it is. Um, number one on her list is Men Without Hats, Safety Dance. Uh, yes, please. <laughs> I have that. I do have to point out if we were actually very high fidelity, we'd be doing like one almost hit wonder <laughs> indie bands that almost had a hit. We can dance if we want to. We can leave your friends behind. Because your friends don't dance. And if they don't dance, well, there no friends of mine. Adam's dancing out the uh, motion of playing <laughs> keyboards. If he was an animatronic figure at Disney. <laughs> what about Better Than Ezra Good? Oh, man. Better Than Ezra had a couple hits. Yeah, Thank you but very much. Nothing ever gets a level. Nothing good. as good as that, though. Yeah, nothing as good as good. No. I'll tell you a better, better than Ezra song that didn't get as much play is uh, Desperately Wanting. That is a good song. Way better. Do you remember this song? Anybody? Is this Creed? No. (laughs) You don't remember this song? For real? Mm -mm. Same era is better than Ezra. Who was it? Seven Mary Three. Oh, Seven Mary Three. Uh, They're okay. from Virginia. They were I, I remember Cumbersome. They're from here. They're from Orlando, Florida. In fact, that album was Orange Ave. In fact, wow. really? In fact, one of the it's guys, Orange Ave. one of the guys uh, who was in Seven Mary Three, currently lives across the street from me. Did Did they go to William and Mary? They may, maybe, but they're definitely from Orlando. How about this one? Midnight Oil. Beds are burning. You hear a lot of that in like remixes. You hear them at like uh, sporting events and stuff. That's yeah, a good song. I don't hear that at many sports stadiums. They have that that chorus, so like, a, and they speed it up to like the tempo. How can we dance? With like high school games? No, I I heard I hear it all the time. I Maya would know it at the clubs. I hear it. At, I hear it at Magic games. <laughs> hear it out, out at the raves. <laughs> I mean, night um, circa I mean, Magic game. <laughs> Another one that made a lot of lists was No Rain by Blind Melon. Oh of wow! Course. Well. Yeah, that's that's. It's one classic. of the definitive one-hit wonders. 
Here's one. I hated the song, so this wouldn't make a best of, but uh, it's a one-hit wonder. Oh, no. Um, here's one. Whatever band did, there she goes. I- the Laws. How'd you know that? I'm a genius. You are a genius. The Laws. L-A apostrophe S. Yep. Funny thing about this song is evidently it's about heroin. What? Yeah, it's about heroin. Really? Um, I coursing through my veins. I, I will there ask that we please not play it. Oh but yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Which actually, uh, Sixpence got a lot of flack over that when they covered the song because all these people were like, you know, that's about heroin. It's not about like, like a nice romantic love song. She thought it was about song. a magical no. dragon. We didn't know it was about heroin. Yeah. <laughs> a magical with, dragon name? With a little Jackie paper. <laughs> An- another one that I, I really hope that we don't play is the Baja Men. I won't. Good. I have a strict no Baja Men policy on my, <laughs> on my iTunes. That's <laughs> got to be an easy policy to follow. Now, what, what about tag team? Oh, <laughs> there it is. But see, I, I, will, I refuse to acknowledge the tag team, whoop, there it is, because they stole it from 95 South. Tag Team did Whoop, There It Is yeah. about four months after 95 South came out with Woot, There It Is. And here's the, the original. This is 95 South. Oh, wow. That is exactly the same. So yep. how did that happen? Tag Team ripped it off. They say that it's a saying that was said in the clubs in Atlanta. Like, you know, the DJs would be playing stuff and the crowd would just start going, whoo, there it is. And that they simultaneously and unknowingly to 95 South wrote the exact same hook, which theirs goes like this. Whatever happened to these guys? Hey, how about, J- how about Jamiroquai? Not a one-hit wonder. What's another song other than Virtual Insanity? This was a jam, and the video for this was, was amazing. Groundbreaking. Yeah. Groundbreaking. Remember when they brought the conveyor belt thing out on the stage at the MTV Music Awards and he did it? That was, that was good. Yep. I just feel like he's this sort of guy that, like, literally chose to not be a pop star. Yeah. Like, yeah. he just wanted to make more innovative front-edge yeah. music. And I don't have a problem with that. I'm just saying that was his only big-time hit. Yeah. Well, there it's are a lot like of artists. Or there are actually big-time artists that, if you go by the definition of one hit, have only had one hit. A lot of people consider even, like, Ben Folds. Yeah. The, the casual mainstream listeners say Brick was his only hit. Yeah. True. But he's got a catalog of amazing music. So Drew Basic says, uh, well, number four on his list is Lou Bega, Mon- Mambo number five. This just makes me happy. <laughs> I'm, do- I'm doing my... Uh, I don't know if that's good. I'm doing my aerobics right now. I just kicked it up a notch. <laughs> yep. Killing, we're pepping my stuff. I could work out to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I-, I turned that treadmill up one notch. Yeah. <laughs> I pressed the incline button a little bit. Just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Kent Felonbaum says 
tub thumper chumbawamba oh, yes. oh no I, oh. <laughs> I know that it, they were like some sort of like it's, UK it's, anarchist yeah they were and there were like 25 people in that yeah. band okay but it's tub thumping first of all yeah. and you know oh, what okay. that is now the album is no. called tub thumper yeah but the song right, is tub, tub thumping, thumping. Uh, tub tub thumping is like soapboxing we would say here in the US there's a square in London and any British readers if I get any of this incorrect I know you'll write in but please do but it's my understanding that they have town squares and they actually have like areas where they will like stand on something and and purport you know whatever the, you know they'll speak whatever political things and have little crowds gather and whatever and they call it tub thumping and that they are this like anarchist group Mm -hmm. like this very countercultural underground group that had like the catchiest pop hit of the year that it was underwater flatulence (laughs) 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 the band or that's what (laughs) that's what tub thumping (laughs) I know Uh, oh man! <laughs> oh my gosh! That one, uh, man, that's tub thumping. That's, no, our humor has really gone that's, down. That's changed your jeans. Tub thumping. <laughs> Why are you wearing jeans in the tub? <laughs> if you're never nude, yeah, if you're <laughs> tub. <laughs> <laughs> Your cutoffs. <laughs> what else are you supposed to wear? <laughs> Seriously. Oh, man. <sighs> this isn't a, a historic podcast because we have officially scraped the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> yeah. We can only go up from The bottom there. of the hopper. Hey, that's good for next week. We can only go up from here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Tune in. Sarah May says, come on, Eileen. By Dexie's Midnight Runners. Nice. I like that song. I like that. Evidently, the lead singer of Dexy's Midnight Runners was so insufferable to work with during this video shoot that a couple of the band members quit after they finished shooting the video. And he wouldn't, <laughs> over the two weeks that they filmed it, he didn't shower the whole time. <laughs> How do you know this? He was I there. Up, I he was the video. Yeah. <laughs> Adam was one of the members that quit. I, I quit. <laughs> I couldn't take it anymore. I actually wrote the song. She also has Mm-mm-mm by Crash Test Crash Dummies. Dummies. Oh, but they wow. had other hits, right? God Shuffled His Feet. That's really their only other one. I don't care. They qualify because if you were to ask the man on the street, that's the only song. Yeah. They're a weird album. Oh, they had, yeah, Superman yes. song. They had Superman song. Campbell's Soup tried to sponsor them, but they weren't interested. <laughs> they, they ended up going with Donovan McNabb's mother. Yeah. They're like, if you just add good to the end <laughs> yeah. of that song. I don't know what made these guys think, like, you know, we're a bunch of master's degree students in English literature. I bet people really dig that. Let's, let's form an acoustic band with a guy with a baritone voice. It's like the lyrical equivalent of a sleeping pill. Yeah. Hey, we're for Johnny Cash. He is yeah. a baritone voice. Not like this. Uh, all right, how about this one? The band was called Polaris, and the only song I know of them is that they did the theme song to Pete and Pete. Oh, my I, gosh. I, 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 what a great what a great song, too. Oh, man. I heard they're a, actually a pretty darn good band. <laughs> that song, I mean, it's ingrained in the mind. Yeah. Of, 
Never seen this show. I'm really? Oh, it. it's so good. It's too old for oh, it. Oh, man. It was no so one, weird. No one is too old for Pete Peace. It was so ahead of... If it, came, it was like Napoleon Dynamite, It basically. really was before Napoleon Dynamite. Really? Like it, With, it was a brilliant, brilliant show. It, it, it really... I you could. It's so comparable to Napoleon Dynamite that... And like... Because it had like the indie rock feel. It was yeah. shot like really indie. A, a Nickelodeon yeah. show. Yeah. And I... Like to this day, I can watch it and still laugh hysterically. It's not from sentimentality. Like I get stuff now that I didn't then. That's just really cerebral it, humor. It's almost like a parody of like the Wonder Years. Like, like the really? fact yeah. that uh, Little Pete in one episode had had a goal. He was eating uh, the cereal that had marshmallows of the presidents, and Martin Van Buren was the only <laughs> marshmallow president he hadn't shoved up his nose, and so he got stuck in his nose. And everyone he ran into uh, misidentified. Martin Van Buren, like someone was like, uh, you know, the younger Pete seems to have a uh, funny man, Don Rickles shoved up his nose, <laughs> like stuff like that. You know I mean? Just so out there and yeah. cerebral. I'm telling you that show, it, it, it really was so ahead of its time. And I heard it has a pretty big cult following. Like they had, the, I saw these online petitions. So satanic. <laughs> yeah. An occult following. <laughs> 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 them and Satanists for some reason, them and a bunch it, yeah. of anarchists like Chumbawamba are really into beat. It's a tub thumping show. It's a tub thumping. But yeah, only I think only the first season's out on DVD. But there were petitions yeah. to get it out on DVD. Well, you mentioned Johnny Cash a minute ago. Uh, Fifty by Saw American Idol uh, Tuesday. There was a guy on there. He looked like Fidel Castro. He's saying Johnny Cash's God's going to knock you down. Seriously? Bring you down. Bring you down. Cut you down. down. Something like that. (laughs) Which is an awesome song. Some verb. (laughs) Some violent action. Uh, Yeah, and he was really good. And so our theory is he's Christian, but we'll wait to see how that plays out. It makes sense, though. Wait, what were the reasons? He looked like Jesus. He did. He made some comment about... He's like... um, you know, you could tell he was like a philosopher-esque kind of guy, and he made some comment about how we're all lost inside. And then, so he's singing... Like this inside the big building where they were having auditions? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> and in the song, he actually... There's a part of the song where he substituted his own name, where he's like, Sean, the Lord said, do my will, or something. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because in the Johnny Cash song, he's like, he says, John. the Lord says, John, you're going to do my will. Wow, so did, he, just like that. Did, did the guy make it? Yeah, he did. He did like surprisingly well. Like, yeah, and he did That's like him stomped singing. with his foot and clapped. It was really cool. But this, this is, doesn't show like vocal range. How did he do this? He did really. Well, my goodness gracious, let me tell you. Huh. This song he is did so a little, good. you know, faster. He had a lot of energy. But he looked like, you know, some countercultural revolutionist kind of propaganda guy. And he's an American idol. I yeah, love it. Yeah, I'm really interested to see, like, what the stylists and everything do to him. All right, so that'll do it for your feedback this week. That was entertaining. Nice little change of pace. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with this week's editorial question of the week. Editorial question of the week. Hey. What's your favorite YouTube video? Send us a clip. Send us an actual link to the YouTube video. And uh, we'll play the best. Yeah, because we, uh, we liked playing the music. So now we want to play other things. So <laughs> that would work. Yeah. I like that. Um, but but we've already claimed Grape Lady and the Son of the son Grape, of Grape Lady. Lady. So 
That even appeared in the print magazine. If you yeah. could, if it's possible for a YouTube clip to appear in a print magazine, it did. Yep. <laughs> Last issue. So don't do gray plady. No gray plady, but or basically anything else. Plady. It could be. It could be your favorite, like. When uh, Stephen Colbert appeared on the O'Reilly Factor last week, yeah, that or two weeks ago, that was a hilarious clip. It could be that, or Tyler yeah. Clark at the um, Orlando Idol competition singing Johnny Cash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be any number of things, whether it's copyrighted or not. We don't care. Yeah, <laughs> just we'll nothing profane. Nothing profane. Yeah, yeah. We got to keep it clean for the little keep ears. It classy. Folks. Send it to editorial at relevantmagazine.com or feedback at relevantmagazine.com or feedback. We check them both. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week's podcast. Let me just say this as a teaser. Um, coming up in the next few weeks, and we can't tell you which one, so you have to tune into all of them. We have Don Miller, Tara Lee Cobble, Dan Kimball, bunch of great guests coming up. All right. So that'll do it for this week's edition of the podcast. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Kara Davis. <laughs> I'm just scary. <laughs> and I'm very, very sorry. We'll see you next week. Bye. Relevant Podcast, anytime, anywhere.